You're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, where we take questions that was asked of us off of our Focus Compounding website and share it with you here on the podcast for free. To read more of our thoughts about investing, go to www.focusedcompounding.com and sign up using the word podcast for the promo code to get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Welcome to the Focus Compounding Podcast. Today, we are going to be doing a question and answer session, uh, questions that you guys have emailed into us. Our last one was one from Twitter, um, but this one probably came mainly from people on our blog, and we are going to share them with you for free today. I'm sitting alongside my partner here at Focus Compounding, the co-founder, Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, great. Well, we are going to just jump into it. Um, for those of you who don't know, every so often we will either post on our blog, on Gannon Investing, or on Focus Compounding, or tweet about it, just really for a call for questions. Oh, and then feel free to respond to there. A lot of times we get a lot of the same questions, I would say, mm-hmm. so we sort of group them together, but we will happily answer them on the show. It's certainly a lot of fun for us and a good way to connect with people, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, I thought this was a pretty interesting question, one that we sort of talked about a little bit. Uh, it says, in your investing career, do you ever get depressed? If so, how do you persevere? Um, Interesting question for sure. Yeah. I would say, uh, do I get depressed? Uh, I would say more so in some of the things of I write about investing as well as invest. And mm-hmm. so it's more likely to be an issue with writing about investing. As in like it being like just constantly coming up with new stuff to write about or? Yeah, sometimes you you, you don't have to invest in things you don't want to invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not going to hurt anyone else with managing your own money. Um, sometimes I think that it can be difficult if you're in a situation where you are writing things that... Um, you're doing the best you can with it, but it wouldn't necessarily be what you chose to do mm-hmm. uh, to start out with because you've said that you're going to do something and then you have to um, write those things. I would say that's probably more likely for me um, than uh, getting depressed about picking certain stocks, um, things getting difficult that way. Uh, I certainly don't get depressed when stocks are going down. Mm-hmm. If anything, for me, that's uh, the most exciting time. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to find things. Do you, uh, you don't get like for example, like you don't get depressed about it if there's no news. For example, there's no rhyme or reason and it's going down. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, big difference. Big moves in price, one way or the other, give you the opportunity to do things. Yeah, sure. Um, the toughest is when everything is going up a little bit in price every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we've sort of had that recently. Um, that's the toughest in terms of finding new ideas. Um, and, and especially if you manage, I mean, you manage capital for yeah. select individuals. And, mm-hmm. you know, if there's people that, um, you know, don't understand exactly what you're doing and the market goes nowhere but vertical every single day, um, you know, that kind of kind of creates a little bit of a, it, it gets tough to deal with, you know, managing those other people's expectations. And, you know, yeah, that's a huge issue. I've probably since about 2011 been telling people that you know prices are a lot higher than they were in 2009 2010 don't expect those kind of returns those Mm -hmm. sort of things and after a while people don't believe you if you keep saying that because it's been you know so you think the moral of the story is just focus on buying operating companies and paying cheap price Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh i think you want mr market to be a lot more moody than you are um yeah i think that that is lessons what about you yeah you know i uh, do I get depressed about it? No, I, I don't. I do think if, 
you know, I mean, investing, it's very intellectually stimulating. Mm -hmm. It's it, to me, it's so interesting and so fascinating because you're coming, um, you know, to work and, you know, learning about something new every single day. Um, I could see how managing other people's money can get a bit, maybe like not necessarily annoying, but if they don't understand exactly what you're doing, it, it's hard to manage their expectations. You know I mean? Uh, of course that aspect gets pretty hard, but no, I don't, I don't necessarily get depressed about it. I mean, I, uh, of course I've had companies or stocks that have moved down on me or whatever. And if anything, it just really just kind of makes me double check my, my work and still feel, you know, fairly confident in the idea. Um, but no, I mean, you know, investing, it's, it's fun, you know, it, it should be. And, and you shouldn't do anything that I think is causing your body you know, some sort of physical harm or it's depressing you or whatever. Um, you know, it's, 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 to me, it's just, it's so fascinating, so interesting that even if you know, I wasn't even in the business or if I didn't need money or anything like that, I still would be involved in, in, in investing every single day just because I enjoy the process so much. Yeah. I think that envy sometimes can be part of it for people, seeing yeah. other people making money. Totally. Um, uh, and that's certainly an issue in the maybe last year or so when you start seeing people that you think are not doing very smart things, making a lot of money, which wasn't, uh, which isn't usually the case in most markets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, envy could kill. I mean, didn't that even take down George Soros in the, the internet bubble? I think he, oh, yeah. yeah, he, he invest. I mean, he couldn't stand that other people were making money and, and he couldn't, and he wasn't, and then he got creamed, right? Yeah. So, so things like that with Bitcoin and stuff like that, that we've seen recently do remind me of the late nineties where that was an issue for people that, um, just making money wasn't enough. Seeing people, uh, make a lot of money on internet stocks and things like that. Yeah. It, uh, it gets tough for people. That's certainly true. Um, yeah, I think it, it's hard to underperform and the more public you are and the more professional, mm -hmm. uh, you are. Um, that can be difficult. The whole thing of managing money for other people is a whole different issue of kind of managing other people's um, emotions, which is totally. something that you can't do. Mm -hmm. that you can't control what, what they're going to think about uh, what you do. Uh, so, yeah, there's difficulties involved in that. Yeah, and I think that's why you know, the fund structure, where that's why like so many investors, they lock people's money up because mm -hmm. it kind of helps, I guess, subside that where they could really focus on investing and not have to worry about, okay, well, Okay, so he's down two percent today, or whatever. You know, and and you know the client completely freaking out or falling a victim to that. Yeah, I th the best thing is Warren Buffett didn't tell his partners whether he was investing in it all year long. Yeah, um, that would be ideal. If if you, for if you're gonna trust someone to manage money for you, um, you should uh, have enough faith in them that you wouldn't need to know what they're investing in. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's always harder for people uh, who. That part of it is hard because you always know a lot more about stocks than uh, other people do. Like, you know why you bought it. Sure. And so it's a lot more concerning for other people, I think. I think I think uh, when you might – you're responsible in some ways for how other people feel about things about investing, that can be difficult. And I definitely uh, – probably when I wrote about stocks where other people had followed me into the stock, yeah. that would be the closest to, like, emotionally making it difficult. Um, yeah, because you're sort of, I mean, you're trying to guard against being anchored, but in a way you're kind of like, I mean, it's, I mean, we're all human here, you know, it does get tougher. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and, and you get a lot of things from, I mean, because it's publicly known what things I own. Um, like I've probably, uh, I've owned a stock BWX technologies 
maybe I've gotten one email about that for every 25 I've gotten about Weight Watchers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, People so love that. a success. You should see how much they love a failure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know. That's funny. Okay. Well, great. Well, that's, that was uh that's definitely a good topic, but my advice, always love what you do. There's no point in not doing something that you're not thrilled to get up every single day and go attack it. You know, mm-hmm. wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Alrighty. So next question, uh, it's, this is a good one. We've talked about this. What is your research process when it comes to a completely new stock? So minute one, you say, okay, this is something that looks interesting. I decide I'm going to, you know, start the due diligence process. What's that look like for you? Uh, can I understand it? And then, um, what questions would I need answered? Uh, pretty quickly. I read the 10 K. Um, how do you, do you print it out? Yeah, I print it out. And I read the most recent one always. Usually I try to do the most recent and the oldest. Um, And then I write all over the 10K, a lot of notes right on it. And then a lot of them are questions. Mm -hmm. But some of the others are guesses. A lot of them are guesses about based on what the company is saying, what do I think I can figure out about it. Um, So you read it pretty much word by word, page by page. You don't skip around or anything or what? I don't skip around, Mm -hmm. but I'm much more actively engaged with some of it than Mm -hmm. other parts. Um, I think you saw, we were talking about dominoes Mm -hmm. where I made just back in the envelope type estimate about how much I think an average new dominoes um, franchisee makes and like whether that's enough to quit other jobs and things, whether this is a real career path, how many I think that, you know, that sort of thing. And it's not something the company really discloses, but you could figure out. Yeah. Now you can look online and try to figure it out by Mm -hmm. hearing people talk about it, but you can try to see if that matches up with everything the company says. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so like that would be a question that was important to me about Domino's. It's not a question that you might think to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually it's informing a few really big questions. And you could see that I put up some, I think on the blog, I put up some pictures from the NACO 10K mm-hmm. where you can actually see my notes on some of it. Yep, yep. And That was um, the post I did, becoming a better investor, yeah. reading one 10K at a time. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, um, th- yeah, so uh, you'd be surprised that that's what I write on it. And um, it's usually down to about, I don't know, five. I can't think that most stocks are more than about five questions that are really important. And they're different for each stock. And how long is this process for you? It uh, Because, you know, it's pretty interesting because I, I remember you saying Colin Frost. Yeah. Or Frost Banker. You, yeah. you knew pretty much relatively quickly that that's something that you wanted to invest in and then you mm-hmm. spent the rest of your time just kind of like fact checking correct yeah so mm-hmm. there are a couple of issues that would have been really big with that so immediately it was something that really interested me um i mentioned bwx um that was babcock at the time that i bought it i knew instantly that it was probably a good company mm-hmm. had a really wide moat and i thought that it was cheap it sure. seemed cheap mm-hmm. um but i wasn't sure if I was going to be able to actually understand the business that well. Mm -hmm. So it had to be, how do I really understand the business? Can I really, um, it was a little complicated, so can I really figure it out? Um, And what do they do? uh, So the part that I still own is involved mostly in making um, nuclear reactors and all the other uh, important parts, except for one uh, related to nuclear reactors um, for submarines and aircraft carriers for Mm -hmm. the U S Navy. So to, to, Kind of like go down the process of understanding. Did you just read like the business description? The risk? <laughs> I, yeah. I read a book that has every nuclear accident so, in history. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> so you, so you, but so you're kind of 
yeah and you know there's some people that i've I've spoken to who say you can't really you're not gonna really find a lot of gems out of 10ks mm-hmm. a lot of times and they just kind of take like different paths so that's pretty interesting because i mean even with natco for you i mean you read the 10k and quarterly filings or whatever but you also ordered a book i did i read from right. like what a long t- a hundred year history of natco industry yeah like it's a it's a just a history of the corporation i'm sure it was made for the company itself to hand out to you know employees and people. yeah, yeah. so it's pretty interesting because i think you it's so true like you kind of have to go a little bit off the beaten path sometimes to to learn about the company and you know i mean warren buffett and i think peter lynch termed it you know the scuttlebutt approach Mm -hmm. to it you know to actually going in person and you know asking questions and the competitors and really seeing it made right from the horse's mouth like per se and yeah due diligence that way i think i mentioned dreamworks on some podcast um i saw every movie that that company made oh yeah uh yeah lots of of research for it yeah yeah yeah, as part of the research for it and i made sure that i went to an actual theater to see it with other people there Mm -hmm. to see who's showing up for them and their reasons for why they might be there and stuff yeah um, so it was very much like Warren Buffett seeing Mary Poppins in theaters. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's part of it. But the 10 K there's a few lines that are really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, th- I recently wrote something about EGOV, uh, NIC. Um, and, uh, there's a line in the 10 K which no- is under the uh, competition. The most important part of the 10 K of all is there's a section called competition. Mm hmm. And under that, right away, most companies will say the same uh, sort of boilerplate, yeah. which is that our industry is intensely competitive, it's highly fragmented, and many of our competitors have greater resources than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when they don't say that is interesting. If you look at something like um, Babcock, uh, it would have said something like, since the 1950s, we've been involved in the Navy nuclear program. We have no real competitors, something like that, you know? Um, in the case of eGov, it said we do not face uh, significant competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, that's the most important part of it. Uh, so there are certain lines of the 10K that are really important. Mm-hmm. And n- the most interesting stocks to buy are ones that people aren't writing about, like articles and things like that. So sure. you have to find it in the 10K first, and then you have to try to understand the business. Yeah. Um, NACO, it was all in the 10K, and I had to read it very carefully because of the complexities of them having... Um, uh, unconsolidated subsidiaries and the accounting of it. You really have to understand the accounting mm-hmm. of how they're doing things. Uh, DreamWorks is another good example of that. Before, I didn't understand movie accounting before I st- started researching that one. It's totally different how they value inventory and things like that than uh, normal businesses. So you have to understand things like that. Perfect. Cool. And then and then when you get to the point of investing from there, what what's the process like? Do you just kind of follow up on like news within the company or ten Qs? Very little transcripts. Yeah, very little. I mean, do you even I, listen to the earnings calls? Uh, I do not listen to earnings calls. I read transcripts sometimes. Yeah. Um, Takes the biases out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do very little of that. Once I own a stock, I do very little of paying attention to it because I don't um, usually add to a position or take away from it much. Mm-hmm. It, um, I buy all my position at once pretty much, or I decide to buy it all at once. And then it, it may take a little time to actually execute it for an illiquid stock. Yeah. And you, you've kind of made the comment to me too, before that you all always, no matter what, tell yourself that you're going to hold the company for a year, no matter what. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I trying to remember the last time I sold a stock within a year buying it. Yeah. And I'm not sure I can remember that. I've, uh, I've taken short term, uh, gains, mm-hmm. capital gains on some things, unfortunately. 
uh, and I remember them very clearly. Because uh, you regret it or what? Usually because the company was, both times, because hey. the company was bought out. Yeah. So I couldn't avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I can see the tax bill for it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. And our last one comes, uh, last question. What are the best investing books you've read? Um, some of the best investing books I've read are, um, I love the Peter Lynch books. I think those yeah. are really underrated. The The best one I've read ever uh, and returned to a lot is You Can Be a Stock Market Genius. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. It's all case studies. I think people should read that. Uh, He's a really good writer. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. I mean, it's very entertaining. It's not like too high level, I guess you could yeah. say. I mean, we're a new, uh, someone that's just getting into investing can certainly take a lot away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great book. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say that the, those are probably some of my favorites um i have read graham and fisher and and books like that i don't know that i would really i wouldn't know that i would really recommend them as much um uh there's some collections of graham's writings that are kind of interesting i have um i have copies of some used books that are hard to get your hands on uh that i can't really recommend to people because you'd have to kind of track them down yeah i have a book about teledyne um which is pretty boring I have a book about Teledyne, which is pretty boring, and um, but I do have it. I have Ben Graham's memoirs, which they didn't print a lot of copies of, things like that. Yeah, I would, and I hate to be the copycat here, but we've mm-hmm. talked about I, I do think personally the best investing book out there is You Can Be a Stock Market Genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the way, like I said, his writing is great. I mean, it, and it really opened up um, you know, the world of spinoffs to me yeah. and how there could be you know, a bunch of um, uncovered value per se in in those type of situations and uh, and and that was definitely a really eye-opening for me another thing that i call my prized possession mm-hmm. i don't know if it's the best kept secret or if everybody's read it but i'm just gonna act like it's mm-hmm. best kept secret is joel greenblatt his audited class notes oh yeah that's great i mean yeah. that is such an amazing piece of information mm-hmm. i mean i've i have a binder in my in my uh in my on my bookshelf and i've read through those things probably i'm six seven eight times and i always take something new away from them mm-hmm. and i think it single-handedly and he, there's also you kind of have to do a little research or some searching on it he had youtube videos as well of him teaching mm-hmm. his special situation classes at columbia university but just do a quick google search of type in like joel greenblatt's audited class notes i'm sure you'll find it um but yeah that i think it was like what i don't know four or five years of his audited class notes and mm-hmm. and it's it's amazing i learned so much from that you know so i would say even though that's not published yeah you know technically um that certainly is the best thing i've ever read on investing and i think everyone should definitely check that out yeah that that reminds me that i do actually have a bunch of moody's manuals going back to like the 1910s i have some and the reason I have them is uh, finding things that Ben Graham invested in, that yeah. Warren Buffett invested in, mm-hmm. things like that, and then actually going back and looking at what they would have seen at that time. Uh, old newspapers are good for that too, going back and kind of trying to reverse engineer the things for yourself. So if you read about um, something that Buffett invested in, like American Express or something, then you go back and you see what it looked like at that time. Yeah. Where he regrets not investing in capital cities. Well, what exactly did it look like in the 1960s or 1970s? Yeah, it's an incredible source of knowledge and to really build your uh, build up your brain for future investments perfect well that's our last question for today uh so we really thank everybody for tuning in um, this is a free podcast uh, this is a part of our website that is free stay tuned as we are going to talk about ideas as well and we have a few other things planned so we really thank everybody for tuning in feel free to go to the www.focusedcompounding.com and sign up using the word 
podcast for the promo code to get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever. Jeff, have a good night. All right, you too. Take care.